1: struggling with how to move forward in your life through a loss recently or just what to do with your what what your purpose is in life just remember that God will make a way Sing, you You are here
2: that makes the darkness tremble it stands nothing up against our god if you believe that this morning let me hear you with all your gut come on we can't do that we can't stop on god this morning are bringing the energy this morning. This is awesome, man. I love it. It's a beautiful Sunday, a beautiful day in God's house, and we are honored to worship with you. Before we do anything else, let's give it up big for Real Life Church Online. Come on, man. They're such a huge part of what we do. A huge part of our family. And I just encourage you, if you're online right now, just interact in the comments, throw up some likes, throw up some hearts. If you're checking us out later in the week on a podcast or on YouTube, we're just so honored that you click that link and we're pumped that you're here. Hey, everybody in the room, welcome to another amazing Sunday. Go ahead and have a seat. If you are brand new today, let me give you an extra special Welcome. We're just so honored that you chose to check out Real Life Church today. We believe your story has significance. We believe God brought you here on purpose and for a purpose. And I just want to invite you, if you've never done this before, I want to invite you to text RL New to 97000. If you're online watching live, I want you to click the link you're seeing right now there in the comments. When you do either of those things, a member of our connection team will just reach out to you at some point this week completely digitally will never show up at your door but we just want to check in on you we just want to see how your sunday morning went answer any questions that you might have about real life church and see how can we be praying for you this week we're just so pumped that you're here and i just encourage you what would happen if you gave god three more sundays to check out real life church what might happen in your life What connections are you gonna make? Think about that and pray about that as you leave here today, this afternoon. And hey, if you're brand new and you've never been to our New Here booth before, I wanna encourage you, come connect with us right after this gathering. We have a small gift for you, just our way of saying thanks for being here today at Real Life Church. Well, let me tell you a little bit more about Real Life Church, why I'm so excited to be up here and just do this every week because, man, we're a church on a mission. Right? We don't just do church. We are on mission every day of the week, 365, and that's to see people far from God discover their real life and purpose, and that only comes through Jesus. Amen? Come on. Let's keep it going. Yeah. No, seriously. we're just, We're a church. Another way we say that, we're a church for the unchurched, okay? So no matter where you are, no matter what you know, you came to the right place this morning. No matter what you know, no matter where your relationship is, no matter what questions you might still be having, we would just love to walk with you through that. And hey, speaking of questions, Pastor Sean is going to come up here today, and he's just going to dive in to another real tough question. This is a question that, it's kind of cliche, and I only mean that because, you know, we hear it all the time, and people that, you know, maybe don't have that relationship with God ask this question, but... I guarantee every single one of us in this room has felt this question. Every single one of us in this room or online has wrestled with this question. And some of you might be wrestling with this question now. Well, I want to bring up Pastor Sean Petrie. I just want you to dive in today as he leads us through another tough question and he's gonna bring us God's word. Will you give it a big for Pastor Sean Petrie? Come on, man.
0: Woo. Drew always eats his Wheaties on Sunday, I'm telling you by the way, that shirt, I'm going to preach on that shirt in a little bit, buddy. A little Star Wars action. That's crazy. Hey, thanks for being here in the house. I know we're starting a little season with school starting up, and I appreciate you guys being here. And uh, can we welcome our guests one more time? Let them know you love them. Come on, let them know. And I want to say a special thanks to our worship team this morning, because the whole time I'm, like, listening to these songs, there's so much that we're going to talk about in verses today that are in these songs. And so you guys just led well this morning. Can you get up for our worship team, Crave team, man, leading us to the throne? Well, today is a significant day in life for a church. We're doing something very special. Uh, We just dropped our life groups online this morning. For you guys to do two things. One is to check out, and the two is to sign up. And so our fall life groups are launching in just a few weeks. You guys excited about our life groups? Few people? Now, (laughs) Drew. Yes! I feel like he's going to tackle me up here. Now, some of you are like gung-ho like Drew, and others are like, eh, I don't know, I don't, I'm kind of busy, or I don't know what this is all about, or I'm not sure if I want to be involved in a group, and can I encourage you, just a couple reasons why to jump in. Uh, number one is that we live in the most connected culture, connected generation of all humanity, but we're the most lonely and depressed and isolated people in all humanity, it's kind of sad, honestly. We know everything about people. We just don't know people. It's kind of crazy. And so I would encourage you, the church isn't a Sunday thing. All right, we don't show up and just hear a message and then we go out about our week. The church is you guys. And so I would encourage you, if you're not connected to somebody else, this is your chance and here's why. If you think about any time in your life where you grew spiritually, or there's really any growth in your life in any area, it's probably all associated back to one person. There's a relationship that occurred. And so when you jump in a life group, you have the opportunity for somebody to pour into you and you also have the opportunity to pour into somebody else. And so this is your chance really to kind of be the church in action, to, to connect with other people and make a difference. Uh, we have 15 groups online. You can check them out, peruse them, sign up as you may, but I encourage you, everybody, this is this is an all skate. Come on, somebody. We're going old school. This is an all skate. There's two people. Drew's excited still. We're gonna get there. Um, so jump in on that. Second thing is this: uh, we have our birthday coming up, four years old, come up next month, just under a month away. <laughs> there is Drew still, I love it. I need I just give Drew the mic this morning. He's gonna. <laughs> I didn't, he's in the front he needs to be in the back he can carry everybody um, but turned four years old and what's really cool we get to celebrate and uh, we're going to pull up the stops but the biggest thing is I think the greatest way to celebrate is we get to baptize those who start a relationship with Jesus and so for those of you who made that commitment, some of you who started that relationship since last time you baptized or maybe you grew up and uh, you never were baptized but you know Jesus. Maybe you uh, got saved in a youth group or maybe you committed your life to Christ as a young person in the kids department or online. I would encourage this is your chance to do this. And all you're doing is basically saying, I was dead in sin. I'm alive to Jesus. I'm unashamed of my walk with Christ. And so I would encourage you. It's a it's a huge shot in the arm for us, but more importantly for you it's your first spiritual step as you become a Christian. So you might have questions about it. You can sign up online. We sign up. You're not signed up to actually get baptized, you're signed up to kind of go through the process, and so we can help you and help uh, make make sure it's a good step for you, make sure you're confident what you're doing. And so maybe you have somebody in your family you know somebody, uh, put a bug in the ear. We'd love to. We always baptize over 10% of our church a year, and so I'd be excited to. Um, we've got a lot of people signed up already, but if you miss this chance. Well, we're going to do it in Easter since we're, uh, we're portable. So it's going to be a little ways out in 2022. So with that, we're stump- jumping into our series. We're stumping into our series. All right. We're jumping in. This is the third week of the series, Questions. And you guys have been phenomenal. You've been texting in questions. We get to answer them on Facebook Live on Tuesdays. Uh, we'll be doing it again this week, Tuesday at 1 o'clock. Me and Diane are jumping on there. And I would encourage you, to text in some questions. Today's going to be one of those heavy days. Uh, today's going to be like a heartfelt day. It's going to be a little different. I know this is going to be a question all of us have wrestled with and probably continue to wrestle with at some level. And so I'd encourage you to text those in, and then uh, we'll, I'll take some time and uh, have a conversation online this week. You guys did a phenomenal job. Uh, but today's question is a heartfelt question. It's something we all struggle with. It's born out of pain. It's born out of loss. And so today's question is, why did bad things happen to good people? I told Barry before I walked up here, I was like, you sure you don't want to preach today? <laughs> like, this is going to be a little tough topic to talk about. Like, when those moments in your life that stood still, when, like, time paused, why did God allow that to happen? Why did evil occur? There's moments for all of us that we've experienced corporately or we've seen. I think back to what maybe the most recent big one we've seen that would affect all of us if we were alive at that time and could recognize it, but September 11th, 2001. We're coming up on 20 years, is that crazy? It's been 20 years coming up this September. And you think about, it, we were all glued to that television. Like we all saw what was going on. We saw the second plane hit the second tower. Like we saw people jumping. From the sky rises to their death, over 200 people. We, we know there's almost 3,000 people that lost their life that day. And we recognize the face of evil. Do you remember that feeling you had when you start seeing terrorist pictures pop up on the screen of the weeks that followed? And they start recognizing who was in charge of this. And we saw the face of evil. We remember those. For some of us remember 2004 and there's a day after Christmas and you're going to just going to come back to your mind but there was a earthquake outside Sumatra, Indonesia that caused a 30-foot tidal wave, the tsunami, to hit shore and it killed over 225,000 people. I remember when I was in college and Going to the Convoy of Hope in Springfield, Missouri and packing up water and boxes and boxes, serving multiple times a week with people from the school over and over again for a year and a half, just trying to get more and more supplies. You know, some of us are going to think back even recently with Afghanistan and all the tragedies and the things we see with the Taliban taking back over and you see uh, this this captivity of people or the slaying of people, of women and children and the persecution of those that are there that had anything to do with democracy or anything to do with any other faith outside of Allah. You see these tragedies as people fall off of planes trying to escape and you wonder, is God real? Is this even possible? Now, some of you are old enough and I don't particularly remember this. I was only like nine. Uh, but you remember back in 1994, there was a hundred day period in the spring where there was one million Tutsi minorities that were slaughtered by militia in Rwanda. There was a genocide that took place for a million people in a hundred days. And you might wonder, like, why do these things happen? Or you, the greatest one you probably know of is the Holocaust, with 6 million Jews and 11 million other minorities killed by the Nazis. And you can wonder, like, why does this happen? But for all of us, the ones that sting are the ones at home, right? It's, it's the ones that, like, affect us with a tragic car accident. where a family or friend. There's, like, an empty seat at the table, Maybe for some of us in this season, we've had somebody who has died from COVID or COVID-related causes. I know this last week, I had a friend in high school I was real close with, and they're, they're twin sisters. And one of them chronological, or I'm going to call that, chronicled, man, chronicled what was happening to her sister. She had COVID this last week, and she passed away. And so for seven days, just watching her fear and terror and feelings, and it's just hard to unpack, and for some of us, we've experienced that. Maybe you have a, a friend or a family member that came home as a soldier under an American flag. Maybe you had a miscarriage or you had a death in the family or death of the child. And for some this is real for us. And we'll all talk about this. This is a, like, why does this happen? And for some of us, it's like a personal trauma. Like we grew up, and this sits home for me, we grew up in maybe an abusive home. This sits home for me because I've had foster kids and I've seen the other side of this. And maybe you grew up in a, a home where there was a friend or family member, there was abuse. Maybe there were sexual assaults. In ministry, I'm 15 years in ministry, you see this all the time. It's one in four women, one in three guys are abused in some form. And so it's tragic. For some of you, you've seen the worst of the worst. Some of you guys grew up in a violent home or maybe a verbally abusive home. And so the question, why would God allow this, is a pretty natural question to ask. And so today's going to be heavy. Figure it out yet? It's going to be a little heavy. And there's going to be some heavy news and some hard news and maybe some bad news. And there's going to be some good news. And we're going to get there, I promise you. This message is going to take a 180 at some point. But this first part, it's going to feel heavy. And so we can question God with all of this. Why is this all happening? God, why do you allow this in my life? Are you all loving and just don't care? Like you don't have control? Or are you in control and just don't care? Like, why would this happen to my life? Did you create sin? Did you design it this way? Did you author this? Did you put this into motion? Are you even around anymore? Did you set up and just walk away? Like, why is this happening in my life? And so these questions plague us and, and hurt us and, and really drive us away from God sometimes. And so today, I want to just start out with a big concept and just leave it here, that it's 100% natural, it's 100% okay not to have all the answers. Because you're not going to leave here today knowing all the answers. I promise you that. Like, I am not God, and I'm not going to be able to give you the answer. But it's okay not to know all the answers. And let me explain why this is and how we can get there, how we can see how God is using these bad things. We often forget that evil didn't always exist. Like, there was a time period you didn't have to lock your doors. Come on, somebody. You'd have to have a password on your Mac. You didn't have to worry about stress or anxiety. There's a time period there's no depression or suicide or murder or fear or insecurity or doubt. There was a period, and we've talked about this even last week, that evil didn't always exist. So I think we go back. To the origin of evil, maybe give us some perspective of how we can deal with it today. So Genesis chapter 3, I want you to dive in. We talked about last week a little bit, give you a new perspective. Genesis 3, verse 4. This is the serpent. This is Satan talking to Eve. He, she, he says to Eve, you will not certainly die. He begins to question God. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and what? Help me out. Knowing good and? Evil. Knowing good and evil. This is the first time evil's mentioned in the Bible. This is the first time you see the other side. At this point, it's like this age of innocence, this, this time period where Ab and Eve almost had like this boundary around them, this fence that kept them away from seeing all of the good side and all the bad side. And Satan is saying, hey, if you just eat of this, man, you're going to be like God. You're going to know good and evil, and this was appealing to Eve and Adam. It says in verse six, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining the wisdom of good and evil, she took some and ate it, and she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it, and immediately their eyes were opened to this wisdom. Immediately they knew there was good things and there was bad things and they looked down and they're like we're naked and we're ashamed and all of a sudden loss occurred immediately. They lost their innocence. They they lost what they knew was good, they lost their purity, lost their security, They, they lost their identity. All of a sudden they begin to question, who am I? Am I good enough? Am I lovable? I, I, I'm, I'm ashamed of myself. And all of a sudden, they even lost where they're at in the garden, that Jesus and God moved them out of the garden because they couldn't eat of the tree. And so they lost their home. And more importantly, and probably the most significant piece of this, is they lost their perfect relationship with God. All of a sudden, they walked away from God. And it's important to note, because we're going to talk about it later, God did not leave us, that we left God And this idea of being reconciled is that we are coming back to God, but because we couldn't, God came to us. And so in this moment, Eve and Adam are running from God. Matter of fact, he has to find them in the garden, which I love is the first thing he does. But this is where evil comes into play, because all of a sudden we're going to know good things and we're going to know bad things as a result of sin. Matter of fact, this evil affected all humanity. This is pretty crazy to think about if you've never considered this. But the very first death in the Bible... And most likely, the very first death in all humanity was a murder. It was a first-degree, premeditated, planned and executed murder. Um, You talked about Jerry Springer episode number one. Come on, somebody. This is the very beginning, family and their kids. And the first thing that happens is a murder. It's found in Genesis chapter 4. We're going to ramp up to it. Genesis 4, verse 1, it says, Adam made love to his wife Eve, and all the guys said... Amen. There's a few people excited about that. I'm going question your marriage here in a second, like, guys. All right? Uh, you look at the order of this. Adam made love to his wife. I, I just love this because you just got, it's just, this isn't a theology, but the reality is here's Adam chasing Eve around the bedroom outside the garden. Come on, somebody. <laughs> like, he's on pursuit. He chased her down, right? I mean, he, he found her. That's how it worked. And all the ladies, some things haven't changed in a long in humanity. Come on. I mean, they haven't changed. And all lady ladies said, amen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They know. They know. And she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I love this line, with the help of the Lord, I brought forth a man. I love this. It was like, you know, this never had before Okay, assuming Kane's the first person, you know, ever conceived, it's like, what is going on? All of a sudden, she you knows she starts getting tired, she's getting morning sickness. Like, this is kind of abnormal. Like, I don't know what's going on. Then she's got these cravings. I don't know, There was no like McDonald's fries. I mean, maybe they probably didn't have pickles. I don't know what she was craving, but they knew something that was weird. And then one day she started getting this bump and she's like, I don't know what is going on. And then it started punching. It was like this alien spawn going inside of her. And then when she gave birth, she's like, it's a man. Like, I don't know what was going on. Like it's a guy. It, I think it's amazing. It wanted a baby, whatever. It was me. I got excited. it was free. Verse two. Later she drew be quiet. So later she gave birth to her brother to his brother Abel. So you have Cain and Abel, the older and the younger. Now Now Abel kept the flocks; he was taking care of goats and sheep and whatever livestock. And Cain he worked the soil; he was a gardener. And so the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering: the fat portions from some of the what? Help me out. The the firstborn. Like you don't want to forget this. This is like the greatest message on giving ever created. It's not about giving, but look what he says. The firstborn of his flock and the Lord looked at the favor of Abel and his offering, but on Cain, his offering, he did not look with favor. Like God was satisfied with what Abel gave to him because he gave him his first. See, the reality is everything we have is given to us by God and Abel recognized that. Like God gave me these cattle and gave me all the things. And so I'm going to give back to God first. Because he's given to me. And Abel recognized, like, that first thing, I'm not giving out my excess. Like, I'm not going to have a bunch of cattle for myself and then say, okay, God, here's the scrawniest one. He's not going to make it. You can have this one. Unlike Cain, who probably got all his vegetables collected, he took all the nice ones for himself, but maybe those rotten ones and falling apart, he said, here, God, here's the offering. And he gave him his leftovers. So Cain recognized that everything belongs to God. All the cattle on a thousand hills, including the hills, belongs to God. And so... Cain, his offering was not a favor. So Cain, uh, at the end of verse 5, says, he was very angry and his face was downcast. He was indignant. He was infuriated. He was depressed. He was irritated that God didn't accept his offering like he did his younger brother. And so the Lord said to Cain, I love this, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, which apparently they knew, you would not, you, will you not be accepted? I mean, you can just give me your first fruits. But if you don't do what's right... Don't miss this. This might be the best message never preached ever. I don't know who ever preached this message, but this is what God says to Cain. Sin is crouching at your door. Like sin is after you. Like sin's on the prowl. Like this ready to ambush you. Like evil has a plan. It's ready to take you out. It's stalking you. I love what God said. It desires to have you. It wants control of you. And then he ends the verse and he says, but you must rule over it. Come on, that might be the perfect line for the Christian life. Like you have to rule over the evil in your life. Do you know there's a very real battle that's taking place that's more spiritual than you think? There's a war of good and evil that is way bigger than Drew's shirt, than Star Wars. That's a really epic battle of good versus evil. But the reality is there is a very real enemy. And I love how this parallels 1 Peter 5. It says, but be alert, be sober, be ready, be vigilant. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Like very literally, he's crouching at the door. He says, resist him. Stand firm in your faith because you know, and don't miss this, the family of believers throughout the world, every Jesus follower, every Christian is undergoing the same kind of what? Help me out. What's to say? Same kind of sufferings. Now, this isn't a fun message, but all of us as Christians are in a battle of good versus evil, and you can take heart. You're not alone. Matter of fact, you have a high priest named Jesus who's been tempted in all ways yet without sin. Like, you can win the battle, but there's evil all around us. And so when you go, why would this happen to me? Just start out and say, you're not going to have all the answers, but everybody's asking the question. See, the reins on the just and the unjust. Like good things will happen and bad things will happen. And here's what happens when you don't rule over sin. So we talked about a little bit. Genesis 4.8. It says, now Cain said to his brother Abel, hey, let's go out to the field. I've got some work to do. We've got to take care of some equipment. There's some things i got to look at. And while they're in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. This is incredible. This is the second generation of humanity. And for the most part, we know this is the first human born, now has killed the second human born, and we're only in the fourth chapter, okay, one chapter later from the fall. Is this incredible? This premeditated murder, like the amount of evil that already existed in the hearts of people. And what was it? It was that jealousy, the older brother jealous of a younger brother, that he was upset that his offering wasn't taken. Matter of fact, the very first motive we see even today was the affection. Like he was upset that, that Cain or Abel had something he didn't have for most part, it's like women and men, but in this case, it's the affection of God. If you fast forward in the Bible, by chapter, the seventh generation in the Bible, uh, they're already st- stretching marriage to be not just a man and a woman, but a man, a woman, a woman, a woman, a woman. Yeah, that's polygamy all over the place, right? And you go, fa- you go fast forward ten, three more generations, uh, the 10th generation, and this is what it says in Genesis 6. It says, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of human race had become on earth. And that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart, every desire, everything inside them, every dream, every focus was only what? Help me out. Was only evil all the time. Isn't that incredible? We're two chapters in. This is it. Genesis 6. They fell in three, murder in four, and by six, the whole hearts of everybody is evil and wicked. Can I just tell you today, and I don't have to tell you this, you already know this. But none of us are immune to evil. None of us are going to be immune to the, to, the, to the things that happen in this life. We live in a fallen world. We live where there's an enemy that prowls around. We live in a broken society, a broken culture, a broken world, and there's no guarantee of safety. I know maybe you became a Christian and you thought that it was going to be the safe you know, thing. Like, we'd like to pray for safety, um, but we're never guaranteed safety. Like, Jesus never said it was going to be easy or comfortable. And you guys already know this. You're like, why is pastor coming down on this? Why, why are we talking about this? Because I want to tell you today, man, it's way more spiritual than you think. It's way more spiritual than you think. You think of everything that happens in your life. Man, think of COVID. It's spiritual. You would not have COVID if the fall of man didn't take place and sin didn't enter humanity and genetics and just, just, the diabetes and disorders and death and murder. It's more spiritual than you think with evil and miscarriages and wars and crimes, assaults and graves and even hangnails. Come on. Or somebody hacked your Facebook account, goes back to Genesis 3. Come on, somebody. Christy, I don't know how many times your account's been hacked. I don't know how many times, but it just keeps getting hacked, right? And because there's evil inside the hearts of men, there's an enemy, there's a real war taking place, that sin is crouching at the door. So I'm going to give you two bold statements, and then this message is going to take a 180. So, I want to just give this to you because I got to give it to you. This message is not easy or fun. But here's the bold statement number one God did not author, He did not design, and did not create sin. But He gives people a choice. And so, Adam had a choice. He had a choice to eat the apple or the fruit or not to eat of it. Eve had a choice. Cain had a choice whether to go back and get the best and give it to God or he wanted to take out his brother. Abel had a choice. Noah had a choice to be righteous in his generation with his family and everybody in that generation had a choice to be evil and we have a choice today and the bible calls it free will that we all make our own choices like we can choose good or we can choose evil the way god said it is you can either be ruled by sin or you can rule over sin and so we make that choice we can experience the goodness of god but we can all we all will experience the goodness but also all experience the bad things as well will all experience evil because we live in a fallen world. Number two, this is a bold statement God neither produces nor promotes evil, but He permits it. Amen. Pastor, preaching good. <laughs> like He didn't promote it, He He, he doesn't want to say, oh, I'm going to use evil this way. I'm going to create an evil situation. I'm going to make evil happen. I'm in charge of this. No, no. He permits it. And so he didn't produce it from the beginning. He doesn't promote it and push it, but he permits it. And the big question you have to ask and why we're here today is why would God do that? Like, why would God allow evil? Why would God allow all these bad things to happen? I'm going to give you a summary answer. <laughs> That'll get your attention, won't it? That'll wake you up. But I'll give you a summary answer, and I'm going to give you a little warning and this is all from the Bible. 2 Peter three fifteen says this. It says, bear in mind that the Lord's patience means salvation. Man, think about this. The Lord is patient through the evil. The Lord is enduring evil. He's not getting excited. He's heartbroken. He is, he is hurt. But he's enduring all of this suffering and pain waiting for people to run to him. But what Jesus did on the cross. Now, this can get more exciting later, but this is why God allows evil. See, the presumption is that a loving God wouldn't allow evil. That a loving God would allow nothing wrong to happen in our life. But we've got to remember that God isn't the one who ran from us. We're the ones who ran from God. And so think about this. This is the opposite side of the question. Allowing evil is almost, or if not, the proof of a loving God. It's the very opposite Because here's the reality God is holy and just. And the moment that Adam and Eve ate of this fruit and ran from him, he could have been like, and just walked away. He could have wiped them all out. Matter of fact, you can go to Genesis 6. I know this is a really exciting message today. Um, But you can go to Genesis 6. And when he saw every thought and inclination to heart, the desires were evil all the time. His, His thought was maybe it's just wipe out the whole human race. Like literally. And he found Noah that was righteous. So you can kind of thank God for Noah, right? Because he didn't, but he spared us. And there's this symbol of a rainbow that he'll never destroy the earth again with the flood. But that was because of sin and wickedness. And so God allowing evil is only because God is patient towards us. That he's enduring all this because he loves us. He is tolerating. He is heartbroken. He's restraining. I don't know if you know this about the Holy Spirit, but in this time period, the Holy Spirit is actually restraining sin in the whole world. For those who even know Jesus, he is holding back. But there comes a day in Revelation where the judgments of God come and the Holy Spirit is removed from earth. I'm getting deep today. This is a teaching message. But we're patiently waiting for people to know him. Matter of fact, that the only reason that Jesus even left us here with this evil is because he wants other people to know him. You gotta think about this. Think about it this way. This life for all of us, if you're a Christian and Jesus follower, is the worst it ever gets. That's sobering. Because the reality is if you don't know Jesus, this is the best it ever gets. It changes everything. Because this, you might call this like living through hell. But this is nothing like living through hell. And so the reality is when Jesus is patiently enduring our evil because there's a purpose. Matter of fact, I'm just going to skip ahead because Jesus said, the joy set before me, I endured the cross. It's like he permitted evil to happen to him because there's a joy that he wanted. And that was us. That was people. Like he had us on his heart and his mind as he's on that cross. And so when we talk about a loving God, allowing evil is the most loving thing he could do. It really is because he didn't have to allow anything. He could have literally chose to say, I'm done with all humanity and move on to the next solar system. Like he didn't have to do any of this. And so this is a really hard truth, and I know that. And so 2 Peter goes on to say, bear in mind that the Lord's patience means salvation. He says, dear brother, dear brother Paul, this is written by Peter, he says, Paul also wrote you these wisdom that God has given you. He writes the same way in other letters speaking them in these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand. This is a hard one to understand. And Paul, he calls it out. He says, which ignorant, unstable people distort, and they do with other scriptures to their own destruction. This is one of those scriptures that for all of us, we're going, really? How can that be? And depending on your faith, like if you have like big faith in God and you believe in Jesus and you're walking by faith, you're like, I get it. It's making sense. But if you're a day and you're like, man, I'm not so sure about this, you may wrestle this, this idea and this concept to your own destruction. Like you can walk away from God because this is so heavy and so hard because it begs the question, is God loving? Does God even care? Is he even good? Or you can blame God for the bad things that you allowed this, or is God no longer in control, or is he absent, did he just spin a top and walk away? And so we have to wrestle with all these questions and think through, why did why this car accident happen? Why did this person die? Why, why didn't this work out? We have to wrestle all these questions. But the good news today is that Jesus wants to answer your questions. Like, Jesus wants to help you have faith. Jesus wants to speak to you today. So I'm going to go through a passage in John 16. I've got to start working, and then we're going to take a big 180. I promise you we're going to get there. But John 16, 16 says this. Jesus went on to say, in a little while, he's talking to disciples. He says, in a little while, you'll see me no more. And then after a little while, you'll see me. And he's predicting his death. And at this, at this, some disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying a little while we'll see him no more, and after a little while we'll see me, and because I'm going to my father? What is he talking about? And he says they're asking each other. They were like looking around. What, what does he mean a little while? Hey, John, what, hey John, what does he mean a little while? Peter, what, what, I don't even get it. What, what is he talking about? Jane, what, what are you talking about? And look at this. It says, we don't understand what he's saying in verse 19. Jesus saw, Jesus perceived, Jesus knew, Jesus is God, and picked up on the fact that they wanted to ask him about this, but they didn't. He, so he said to them, so Jesus reached out. So I want you to think about this for a second. Jesus, we often forget this, knows exactly what's in your heart and what's on your mind. Like Jesus knows exactly that, where you're at if you're struggling or you're upset or you're irritated with whatever's walking in front of you, that we have a high priest, that Jesus was tempted in all ways, yet without sin. I can say this. I've never walked in your shoes, but Jesus has. Like, Jesus is tempted in every single facet you've ever been tempted in, and yet he made a way. And I think about knowing Jesus, that he sees your pain, he sees your loneliness, he sees your doubt, he sees your anger, he sees your depression, and I just believe today that he wants to speak to you. That God knows exactly what you're at and wants to help you through this. Matter of fact, Jesus goes on to his disciples to say, Are you asking one another what it meant when I said, In a little while you'll see me no more, and after that you will see me? Well, very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices, and you will grieve. Now, this is what happened. He's predicting his death, and he's saying, When I die, you're gonna be heartbroken. You're not going to understand it. And for us, there's many times we don't understand what's going on. We have questions. We have doubts. We have fears. We're upset. We're internally processing this, but we don't tell anybody. We show up to church and act like we're all spiritual. Come on, somebody, right? And the disciples, they're looking around like we still don't get it. Matter of fact, no disciple pull up a lawn chair outside the tomb waiting for the resurrection of Jesus. They didn't get it. And so Jesus was right. He said, You're going to mourn and you're going to, you're going to, Wolves are going to celebrate and then you're going to grieve and sit there and you grieve. And he says this, and I love this, but your grief will turn to what? Help me out. I hope you can read up there. Your grief will turn to joy. joy. Like there's a day coming. Come on, somebody. There's a moment in your life where it's all going to make sense, but it's not going to be in this side of eternity, okay? But for them, they're going to see the resurrected Jesus, and all of a sudden, they're going to get a smile on their face and go, we were completely wrong. He says it's like a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because the joy that child is born into the world. And so with you, he tells them, this is the most unpopular message ever preached. Now is your time of grief. He says, this season you're going to be in is a time of suffering. And I don't know if you know this as a Christian, uh, but this world is not our home. Come on, somebody. It's not made to be comfortable. It's not made to be easy. It's not, we, we're, at a, we're in a war, and you are a soldier of God. I mean, the greatest enemy to probably the cause of Christ is a peacetime mentality. As if the devil doesn't exist, life's about us, and then we get a free pass to go to heaven. That is the American Christianity, and it's not the Christianity of the Bible. It says in this season you're going to suffer, but the good news is this is the worst you're going to get because there's a good day where you're going to be full of joy. And so Jesus goes on to say, but when I see you again, you'll rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day you'll no longer ask me anything, which, by the way, all your questions will one day be answered. Come on, somebody. You're going to go, wow, it makes sense. And truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked anything in my name. Ask and receive, and your joy will be complete. And then his disciples said, hey, now you're speaking clearly. I can make sense out of this without figures of speech. Now you can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. And Jesus replied, said, do you believe? He says, a time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will be scattered. In each of your own home, you will leave me alone. There's going to be a time in the disciples' lives and there's times in our lives where we walk away from God. There's times where we're like, okay, I'm up here preaching, but I don't know if I believe all that. There's times in your life you're like, man, I'm showing up to church, but I'm not sure. Like, how could God allow this to happen? There's questions. Maybe you're questioning everything. And you're going to leave God and walk from God. And this is what happened to the disciples. He says, well, I'm not alone. My father's with me. And he tells them this. I've told you these things. Why? So you may have what? What's he say? You may have peace. Like when you go through struggles and storms and things that make sense and you walk away from me, just remember I did this on purpose. It's all part of the plan. It's going to work out. He says, in this world you'll have trouble. But take what? Take heart. I have overcome the world. This is, there you go. There you go. That's perfect timing. So we've talked about bad news, a lot of bad news. Are you guys ready for some good news? I know you're ready for some good news. Like it was like, this is like one of those old sermons, you know, like boom, boom, boom. And there's gonna be a lot of good news. So I wanna talk about Jesus overcame the world. I'm gonna give you the greatest principle to help you process the problem of evil. Just one principle, it's right here in the Bible. Take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. You gotta take some heart in this. Because like you're looking like we're defeated and God's painting this picture of a tragedy and it's never gonna work out and we're stuck in depression and loneliness and fear and anxiety. We see the news and we're wondering if it, is it worth it? You're scared to have kids because you're like, what the world they're gonna grow up in, all these things happen, but take heart because Jesus has overcome the world, overcome evil. Mark 15, it's gonna get good. Fashion your seat belts. It says the crucified, they crucified two rebels with him, with Jesus, one on his right and the other on his left. Don't you think about this? When Jesus left heaven, he, he left all riches, all glory. He had everything he wanted to have except us. Like he wanted a relationship with us. And for us to love him, we had to have a choice to love him. Otherwise we'd just be a drone. And so Jesus left heaven. Matter of fact, in that heaven, there's these cherubim that have six wings, two to fly, two to cover their eyes, two to cover their feet. And they, they fly around the throne of God saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. Holy, holy, uh, for eternity, they're doing this. And Jesus looks at us and goes, they need help. He went on a rescue mission because he wanted us. And so as he's on the cross, crucified by the very creation, the creator crucified by the creation. Matter of fact, these people next to him represented the most evil people of the time. The crucifixion reserved for the worst, the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst. It was a public humiliation. If they want to kill him, they cut their heads off but they put them on a cross so they could mock people and scorn them and teach the world to show them a lesson. And so next to him, was reserved for these thieves. These people probably did nothing good in their lives. It's a crazy picture because in the middle, the cross, the middle cross is always set higher. And the middle cross is always reserved for the worst of the worst of the worst. And so in a very physical way, Jesus picked the middle cross because he wanted to picture the worst of all the evil in humanity. Like, don't miss this. Jesus, who knew no sin, is about to become sin. And on purpose, he, st- he is nailed to the sinner cross. It says, those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, oh, so you could destroy the temple and build in three days. Come on down from the cross and save yourself. And I love this. Jesus' love for us patiently endures. He endured the insults. He endured the crown of thorns. He endured the scourging and the beating and his beard ripped out. He endured all of this patiently waiting. It says in the same way the chief priests and the teachers of law, the people that are out to get him and put this false trial together, they, they said to themselves, he saved others, but he can't even save himself. Look at that guy. He's not God. Let that Messiah, the King of Israel, come down off that cross that we may see and believe. And Jesus patiently endured the mocking and the scorning of humanity as they hurled insult after insult after insult. And it says, they crucified, those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. So now the evil in the world is now heaping more evil on Jesus. And don't miss this, because we talked about Jesus doesn't produce, he doesn't promote, but he permits evil, Jesus permits them to crucify him. He didn't have to. He could have called down legions of angels and wiped out humanity, but the love for us held him on the cross. And at noon, the darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. So for three hours, darkness fell as Jesus anticipated the weight of our evil, the weight of our sin, the weight of all the the judgment, all of the hell that we owed to be pressed on him. Jesus held himself to that cross because of love for us. For three hours, he patiently endured. I told you by the joy set before him. It was his love for us that held him there. In verse 34, it says at three in the afternoon, Jesus cries out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. This is Aramaic, it says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In this moment, Jesus experiences the full weight, the full penalty of all the evil in all humanity. Matter of fact, you go all the way back to, the, to pride, back with Eve and Adam, and you take the murder of Abel and the jealousy in Cain's heart, and you take about every thought and inclination of all people in Genesis 6 during Noah's time, and he takes every one of our evil thoughts and our evil deeds, and it presses down on Jesus and he's crushed but not destroyed. In that moment, the father turns his back on the son because he pours every bit of our payment onto Jesus. And God is holy, and can't see sin, and so so there has to be somebody who rescues us. And Jesus pays our debt in full. Think about this. This is a significant question. Jesus is the only person who can truly ask the question, why does bad things happen? to good people. Jesus is the only innocent party. He's the only one not guilty. And the Bible says that he exchanged all of his goodness, all of his righteousness on the cross for us, that he that knew no sin became sin for me. That is incredible, the grace of God patiently enduring. Jesus' patience means salvation. And when some of them standing near heard this, they said, listening, he is calling to Elijah. And some ran, filling a sponge with vinegar, with wine vinegar, and put it on the staff and offered to Jesus a drink. And they said, leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes and take him, he said. And with a loud cry, Jesus, breathed his last. Now I love this. At the very first thing that Jesus does, don't miss this, look at the verse. It says, verse 38, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Literally, Jesus ran from the cross. As he took his last breath, he took off to the temple and he tore the veil in half for us. Behind that veil was the presence of God that one person, the high priest, went in once a year to offer a sacrifice. And so if you want to have God's presence that we lost in Genesis 3, you had to work your way up to see it. And you didn't even open your eyes. They put a rope on you because you sinned it all. You die because God's so holy. And so in this moment, all of a sudden, the presence of God is released from the temple and is runs to us, restoring us from Genesis 3. I don't think my preaching is a little better than you guys' response. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit came into our lives and it made us Righteous, and no longer sin had control of us, but we had control of sin, and God's spirit indwelt us and made us good, and we were declared righteous in front of God. So you can take heart that Jesus has overcome the world, that we're no longer slaves to evil, but we are set free by the grace of God. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw that he had died, he said, surely this man was a son of God. Take heart, Jesus has overcome the world. So the reality is to make this super practical because this has been way up here. What do you do when bad things happen in your life? Like what do you do in the moment when time stands still for you? Now each of you on your chair, you may find this. If you can't find it, it's probably stuck to your butt. <laughs> it's a puzzle piece, it's real small. Everybody grab your puzzle piece. It's a free gift, welcome to your life. Use <laughs> puzzle piece puzzle piece represents your circumstances, represents those moments when your life stood still, represents the questions you have, the uncertainties, the, the, the things that don't make sense to you. Why God? Why would this happen to me? This little puzzle piece represents that. Now, some of you guys got the corner. I'm not sure if it, there's a lot, there's like 750 piece puzzles. So I don't know if anybody got the corner, but anybody got the corner out there? Anybody so lucky to get the corner? Sometimes you get the corner, like I know where this goes. I think it's one of four spots. It's gonna make sense. Like, I, I, I got it, God, like it's, it's making sense. Now, some of you got a little edge piece. Maybe get an edge piece. Come on, put your piece up high if you got an edge piece. Now, some of you like got an edge piece. So you're like, okay, like I can kind of see where this goes. Just a little bit. I know it's somewhere in here. Don't know exactly, but it's kind of making sense. Now, some of you guys, you might get a couple pieces put together in your life and you start mapping out, like I see what God's doing. But the majority of us, we got that middle piece. Come on, somebody. Put that middle piece up, you got that middle piece. And we're sitting there going, why would God give me this piece? Mine's darkness with a bunch of spots. Like why, why would God allow us to have my life? Why would God take that person from me? Why would that car accident happen? Why would these things happen to me? And can I encourage you today that we don't trust what we see, but we trust in the one that we don't see that we take heart that Jesus has overcome the world. And so even though I got this really crummy piece, for some of you guys, it's like that lost piece that you're missing and you have this piece, you're looking for it, but God is a good God. And we take heart that it all works out. For some of us, we look at this piece and we're thinking, well, if God's gonna do this, then this whole puzzle must be a tragedy. And can I encourage you today to take heart that God is not writing a Shakespearean tragedy that it's not gonna be a, a picture of brokenness and pain and suffering and heartache and disappointment and fear and anxiety. God is not painting that picture. God's not putting that on the canvas. But when you look at the piece you have, you can take heart because God is writing and he is painting a masterpiece. That God is writing a picture of hope, a picture of redemption. And there's a very hard truth in Romans 8 that says all things work together work for your good, And all of a sudden you can realize like this piece, like I don't know what this piece goes to, but I'm just trusting that God is using it in the picture of redemption, of salvation, where all things work out, where this people are whole, where we come back to completion, where it's all new, that God is painting this wonderful picture. You have no idea what God's painting. But if you leave here today and you think God's painting a terrible picture, you've totally missed the point of this entire message. And so I wanna show you the picture that I've given you. This This is the puzzle, come on somebody. This is a picture of the Rocky Mountains in Canada, eh? This up there, that'd be beautiful to go to. My favorite part about this picture, besides the awesome beautiful lake that I wanna uh, water ski in and wakeboard in and the mountains I like to hike, are these two little dudes, this husband and wife maybe on the edge there. I wonder who took the picture, right? And I love that because one day that's gonna be you. You're like, oh, that's my piece. It's making sense. Oh, boom! wow. That's what God was doing. Like I had no idea that that tragedy, whoops, led to this and it led to this and that God was painting this wonderful picture of redemption, I have no idea. But today we just take heart. We just take heart that God is working all things for his good. We just trust in Jesus. Do you know that the only scars in heaven are found on Jesus? Do you know that? Like we are complete and we are whole, we are put together, we are his masterpiece, but Jesus carries our scars. And those same arms that have the scars are holding you today. And so if you're struggling with, I don't understand why this is happening, you don't have to see the full picture. I told you that you wouldn't have all the answers. I told you it's 100% fine and natural and okay not to understand what is happening, but trust the one who does. And so if you're struggling today and you're like, man, I just need something to take heart, I wanna show you what it looks like to take heart. One last passage of scripture, Lamentations three, check this out. It says, because the Lord's great love we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. Now, I love this, now, I tell you the love of God allowing evil is the proof of God's love for us. And it's so his love that didn't consume us and his great love for us makes God wait patiently for all humanity to come to him. And the only reason we're left on this side of eternity is to live on mission, on a rescue mission as a soldier, as ambassador for Christ to reach people. Because of God's great love we're not consumed for his compassions will never fail. He is patiently waiting for you. He says, his compassions are new every morning. He says, great is your faithfulness. And I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. He is enough. Therefore, I will wait for him. So in this season of pain and suffering and doubt, you just look at whatever piece you have of the puzzle and say, God, it's enough. I don't have to know the whole piece. I don't have to know the whole puzzle. God, I'm just trusting you. I'm waiting on you. So I encourage you today to take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. Father, we come before you. God, I pray for every person in here. God, those that are specifically struggling in this season, there was so much hard things to talk about. And it's so true because we hang our hat on the word of God. We know this is true and accurate. And so God, we just come before you just searching for answers. And I pray you'd speak to those, God, that are hungry, God, that those are hurting, that God, that you're close to the brokenhearted, you draw near to them, God, that you bind up the brokenhearted, you change beauty for ashes. And so I always wanna pray for somebody today, those of you that say, you know what, I'm in a season of hurt, and today I just need to know that Jesus, that he makes all things new, that I'm running to God, that I'm taking heart today. I've not been taking heart. I've been trying my own power to figure this out. But today I'm leaving here going, God, I trust you. God, I don't have all the picture. I don't have any more pieces of the puzzle today. I didn't leave with any answers practically from this side of eternity. But God, I'm looking to something that's way more spiritual. I'm looking to you. And so that's to you today with a moment of honesty and say, you know what, I'm taking heart today. I'm leaving here with a new perspective. I just want to pray for you. Say, Father God, thank you so much for what you do on the cross. Your work on the cross proved your love for us. God, you permitted evil to take your life and exchange all our wrongs for all our rights. God, that's enough for me to trust in this season of suffering where it doesn't make sense. I'm okay with not having all the answers to the questions. I'm okay with not having all of the picture yet. But one day, God, I'll look forward to seeing it. And so God, give me some hope. Give me some reassurance. God, bring some relationships in my life that bring some healing and give me some bold confidence to live on mission in this season because I've gotten good company because every single one of us are suffering on this side of eternity. But one day, it's gonna be complete and we're gonna see the full picture and it's all gonna make sense. I'll pray for one more person today and that's those of you that say, you know, I need Jesus. My life has been a wreck. There's things that have happened to me. There's things I don't want to speak about. There's things that have hurt me. I've walked through so many situations. It's never made sense, but today it's making sense. That God still loves me. I've given up on God, but today I'm coming back to Jesus. The Bible says, "Whoever calls the name of Jesus will be saved, forgiven, and made new." And if you need, if you need Jesus, the Bible says that you can receive Jesus with your. If you who confess your sin to God. Resurrected Jesus from the dead, that you'll be saved. And so, today, if you need Jesus, you want new life, you want purpose, if that's you and God's speaking to you, His Holy Spirit's drawing close to you, if that's a moment of just maybe boldness, would you just raise your hand? I'd be looking around and say, I need Jesus today. Come on, put those hands up if that's you. I need Jesus. i want to say yes to forgiveness, maybe you're online, maybe watch this later on a podcast. I wanna encourage you to pray this prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you, it's your heart towards God. Just cry out to Him and say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me, even when I wasn't lovable. God, thank you for loving me even though there's so much pain in the world. God, I'm trusting you've made a way. I'm following you. And so God, you can have my life. I wanna serve you. God's making a little sense, just a little sense why bad things happen to good people. And God, you were good. And thank you for what you did on the cross for me and I praise in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give it up for what God's doing. Come on, let them know you love him.
3: And maybe that's you today and you're saying, you know, this is the first time I've clearly heard what God did for me. Or maybe it's that goodness of God that's drawing you to him. We would love to partner with you on that journey that you are beginning today. And so I have a couple of next steps for you. And one of those is this. You can take out your phone and text RLNEXT to 97000. That's gonna connect you to our website and give you a place where you can connect with some resources about how to know more about God, to connect to the Bible app and ways that you can start this journey with Jesus. but it's also gonna give you a place where you can share your story about what God is doing in your life. And we would love to connect with you to hear what God is doing and have a member of our team reach out just to encourage you with that. Also, if you're here with us in person, we have a table on the back on your way out that has some red bags. And inside of that is a Bible, which is our free gift for you. And also some a letter that has some connection to some of those same resources that are on our website. So please grab one of those if that's you today. And for all of us here, I have another next step. Sean talked about in his message that we are in a battle for the souls of people, that we're here on earth still because there are people who are in need of God, they're in need of Jesus and a savior and what God has given us, we are here to reach out to give to others. And so if you're sitting, you know, well, one thing that we believe at Real Life is not that church is a place to come and sit, but it's really a place to go and serve and to make a difference and to find how God has created and called you so that you can go out into the world to serve here or out in the community um, or at your workplace or your family so that you can make a difference. And so we are having our crash course this afternoon, and I truly believe that is a great way to take a couple hours out, set it aside, and find out how God has gifted and created you. It's it's at Sean and I's house at 2 o'clock today. You can get all the details on our website. You can go click there to register and sign up. We have a great crew already coming out, so you won't be like awkward moment alone with the pastor. Um, It's a really good time, and it's a really fun experience. experience to go through together, but it's really our way to kind of all in one spot to help you to know God, to find the freedom that he can give you, to discover your purpose, how God has wired you and gifted you so that you can make a difference. And so if you've never been to our crash course, never been through the next steps, let me encourage you to do that. Um, It's a powerful time to be able to connect with who God is and how he has made you, and really to be a part of the rescue mission of our world, to save people from a hell without God. And so let me encourage you to be Part of that, if you haven't done that. Um, And also, let me encourage you to feed the thing that feeds you. Your generosity makes everything that we do at Real Life possible, from reaching out to the community to teaching kids to you know counseling sessions that we offer for free all those things are because you are partnering with God in generosity and there's three ways you can connect to that you can go to reallifechurchkc.com and you can click give you can text any amount to 84321 or you can drop we have a giving box in the back that you can drop cash or check if that's more convenient for you and so I do hope that you will take time to invest in what God is doing here and lastly our life groups are live today online and so check out this video to see how you can be a part of that
4: oh hey guys this is diamond from real life thank you so much for being here this sunday i i hope you had an amazing time it's been amazing i was actually just sitting here thinking like last Summer or this past summer has been amazing. Like, we had so many things happen. Like, people had babies, babies are growing up. We've been to the beaches and, like, to the park and then life groups. Oh my gosh, life groups was so amazing. Like, we had a life group that was like bow and arrows. Like, that was awesome. I loved it. And I actually did that one. That was amazing. There was like a walking group and Oh, Pastor Sean! Pastor Sean had that funny video of the Life Groups last season.
0: This is Sean. Don't be
1: Sean.
0: Don't do life alone. Start this summer right. Life groups better together. Sign up today online.
4: Marco! Marco! That video was so amazing. So, I want you guys to be a part of Fall Life Groups. It's gonna be so much fun. Like you think last semester was fun, like this is gonna be legit. So I want you guys to get onto to reallifechurchkc.com and join us, sign up, we'll get back to you and look forward to seeing you then. Have a nice Sunday, bye.
0: Man, are you guys ready for Life Groups? Man, it is awesome. If you haven't ever been one, I wanna encourage you, do not miss out. It will change your life over the next several months. So come check those out today. Hey, check us out, one o'clock Facebook Live. Don't miss out, where Sean talks about some more of the questions that I come in and you guys have sent in today. Can't wait to hang out with you guys there as well. Hey, uh, if you need prayer for any reason, we will have a team member up here. We would love to pray with you. Can't wait to hang out with you guys again next week at 9.30 or 11. And as always, remember, whoever finds Jesus discovers real life and purpose. See you next week.